Hi, I'm Chris Mount from Lux Coastal Property Buyers. As you'd be well aware, I love talking to women who have relocated to a lifestyle location, in particular the Sunshine Coast. As the podcasts are evolving, I'm getting questions about how do, how do you operate your own business on the Sunshine Coast? So today, I'm very pleased to say I have a very successful independent woman who does operate her business from the Sunshine Coast. So we're going to talk about that and all the hidden gems that she's discovered whilst living up here. Welcome, Johnette. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Nice to be able to chat with you today with our beautiful view of the ocean sitting here in Sunrise Beach. It's a lovely day. It's a, a beautiful day and we are overlooking the, um, the eastern beaches. Um, a stunning view so um, it's a beautiful day to do it so Johnette you're founder and publisher of Sunday Press that's right you've published over 35 books which is an incredible feat in itself yes that's right more recently during that the global pandemic you pivoted a little bit to actually move into a fundraising space through your cookbooks and um, with a book called our barley your barley you sold over $500,000 in gross sales in books. Yes. And as you progress through that um, exceptional experience, you also started doing um, tours in Bali. So it's an evolving sort of company as well as a book company, you would say. That's right. Okay. Locally, you've also produced um, a book or books from our um, local producers. More recently, um, in Mulaney, a vegan cookbook our Food Forever for Stacey Lamon. Yes. And that's on the shelves at the moment. That's right. So we'll talk about that one as well. But Hot Off the Press, Yet to Be Released, is another book that is raising money for a charity called The Plates of Goodness in Sri Lanka, for Sri Lanka. That's right. Yeah. My question to you first and foremost, before we get to about your lifestyle, how do you fit all this in? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, there are distractions up here, but you know, it's lovely to go to the coffee shop every morning and go to the beach and have a swim. And you can do that basically 365 days of the year. Um, but I think that sets you up for a very productive day. Uh, give a busy person some work to do and they'll get it done. So, you know, yes, we're all busy up here, but we all make time to have fun and get the work done that we need to. Yeah which is pretty important because when you're working for yourself and also um, we can touch on remote working a little bit later but how do you build community when you're working for your own company well i started off um, sharing some office space with some girls including yourself um, and that set up the community i think that has been the base of uh, networking throughout my days up here um, more recently, I moved into this three-bedroom apartment at uh, Sunrise Beach, and I think I just love the view so much that I'll go and have coffee with people, but I just love coming home and working, looking at the blue skies and the blue ocean every day. Yeah, look, it's a pretty special, special place. Um, I think um, I'd like to understand your story originally, because you've moved to the Sunshine Coast twice now, um, so what was the, the reason you first moved to a lifestyle location all those years back? Well, 20 years ago, I bought a house unseen off the internet. Um, and I was going through breast cancer, having chemotherapy in Melbourne, and it was cold and wet and miserable. 
and I started thinking maybe I could do something a bit different. Um, I knew I had my radiation coming up and I researched and found that I could do it up in Nambour, which is um, very close to Noosa. So I bought a hinterland property, seven and a half acres, uh, which needed total renovation. So while I went about my radiation and had no hair, uh, I brought in the teams of boys to renovate um, and absolutely had a ball getting all of that done and pretended I didn't really have breast cancer. It was just really a journey into wellness and, yeah. and finding distractions from the negativity of having breast cancer. Yeah. That sounds pretty incredible. So you're really a creative at heart because I imagine if someone was going through that and I didn't naturally like creating things, doing a house renovation at the same time could cause stress as opposed to be a distraction. Yeah. 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 But I, I love renovating. I love creating uh, this house. You know, I did get it a bargain basement price because it was painted dark blue. It looked like a little mushroom. It, all the walls inside were orange and blue and pink in the one room. Uh, it, <laughs> it was a bit of a nightmare to get through. But, you know, watching the painters change it and the whole sense of place changing. Uh, it was just a wonderful journey to go on. Yeah, and I can see that from being at the property. I'm a, I've been there a couple of times and you do get a sense that you have lived abroad, which is true. You've mm -hmm. lived in Singapore before um, America. America. Uh, yeah, where else? And spent a lot of time in Italy as well. Yeah, so you do get to see, I sense, because I suppose I spent time in Asia, I can really see that tropical Southeast Asian influence in your garden. Yes. But it has its own tennis court pool, but it also backs on to, is it a plane? An airstrip. An airstrip, right. yeah. So tell me a little bit about that secret airstrip. Oh, the little secret airstrip up in Timbiwa, it was originally, there were seven properties that um, went together to create an airstrip, um, but that was probably at least 50 years ago. The airstrip is still running. Uh, it has been bought by one of the owners of one of the properties, um, but a few of the properties use it. Yeah. I don't fly planes, so I haven't used it. <laughs> I'd like to land there one day. That yes. would be um, yes. be my bliss as well. I have, I have flown out of there and done a tour of the, the beaches and landed back in there, and it's a very special experience, but it's little plane material, not big plane. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you bought that property 20 years ago and obviously um, it's still in your family because your father's living there. That's right. Um, so it's a pretty special place for you. But you're also now living on Sunrise Beach. So That's right. you would say um, the second time, so you you moved into the house, then you left That's right. Tinbiwa. Where did you go after that? I went back down to Melbourne because I knew I had years left to, to keep working. So I went back down and my daughters are down there and mum and dad wanted just loved what I had done in the property so they stayed on up here and um, so I went back to work publishing books down in Melbourne and a lot of our own books um, as well as publishing for other people and the genre I chose was food and wine because I didn't want to be political I didn't want to get involved in people's negativity uh, it was really just celebrating the positives in food and wine that we have in Australia um, which eventually moved on to, we did flavours of Singapore, flavours of Hong Kong, flavours of Bali. Um, so we, we have extended the reach 
just celebrating what chefs are doing and, and pulling their recipes together that we can make at home. Yeah. And do you know, I actually knew your books before I knew you, oh, you which, <laughs> which um, I love. So when I was moving back to Melbourne, the first book I bought was Flavours of Melbourne. Oh, that's, a, just, that's so funny. It's yeah. so funny. That, and I, I just would love just – it's a beautiful coffee table book and flick through where do I want to go to dinner with some of my friends. And I use that as a guide yeah. um, because it's more than a guidebook about restaurants. It's just so beautifully presented. And I brought that book up to here with me, although I'm not in Melbourne anymore. And then um, when I met you in the co-working space, it's like, oh, it's, you feel like you're meeting someone famous, which, you know, <laughs> in my world you are. But just to hear your story of – how you started writing cookbooks I think started was it in Singapore when you were living there no no funny enough that first time I was up in Noosa the first cookbook I did was um, produce to platter Noosa so I did probably 20 local restaurants and connected them with the producers in the hinterland and how they were sourcing local produce and using it in their recipes so that really got me started and excited about uh, exploring that through the rest of Australia and then internationally as well. Oh, fantastic. And how long ago was that? Well, that was 18 years ago when I went oh, so you're, before I went back to Melbourne. So were you almost ahead of your time with... Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, with the produce to platter or yeah. fork to plate or plate to fork yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is pretty incredible. You also told me a story once you were living in Singapore and you learned how to cook in the HDB areas. And the HDB areas are definitely the, the, the non-expat areas of Singapore yes. where you're, you're making, meeting local aunties, sharing their recipes. Yes. So just tell me a bit about that experience. Oh, it was wonderful because you would go to the market with them to choose what ingredients you wanted. So learning the difference between a male and a female crab and that the female crab is sweeter and then how to cook that crab and, and coming back to an HDB and walking up to the fifth floor, you know, with all your groceries and some poor little old lady who was so excited to teach you how to make chilli crab. You know, it was a really humbling experience because their kitchens, you know, weren't very sophisticated and usually had one or two burners and it's amazing what they could do in that little bit of space. Um, and teach me how to use the local ingredients. That's what I was after. And how long ago was that? Uh, well, that's probably 30 years 30 ago. 30 years ago. So yeah. Singapore 30 years ago would be a very different place to what it is today as well from an expat experience. And I know we have a lot of expat listeners on the podcast. Yes. Um, but we can imagine that what it would be like and also just connecting with the local community as opposed to just staying in an expat community. You've learnt so much more by yes. spreading yourself out and you're telling me how you learnt all about the spices, how you blend them together. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was, um, it was just interesting because we were sent up with one of the major law firms in Australia to go suck it and see. That was our direction. <laughs> and <laughs> People were just so, uh, so different these days. Yeah. And... There were no supermarkets when I first arrived up there. So the first supermarket probably arrived within 12 months of me being there, but it was a really different experience to go to the, out to Holland Park and mm. find ingredients and then know what to do with them. And I was just this white little Melbourne girl who only knew how to cook steak. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I was in trouble. Yeah. Um, so that's why I sought out 
and found people who could teach me what to do. So in the most beautiful possible way, your expat experience opened you up to the flavours of cooking, That's which right. then led to your creativity in publishing 35 books. That's right. Um, including the flavours of you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Bali. Yes. And when I met you, I, I was thrilled because being in Singapore so many years, we used to go to Bali a lot. So it's very close to my heart mm-hmm. and Sri Lanka a lot. And we'll get to that in a moment. But you were doing, um, during the, the middle of the pandemic, you partnered with the local chef, a local yeah. international well, he, chef. He's an Australian or New Zealander, actually. Yeah. Uh, chef, but he's married to a Balinese woman. And um, he has two restaurants up in Bali and really uh, celebrates the local ingredients and the traditional recipes. So he was in a bit of trouble with the pandemic because he had, I think, 200 staff at the time and he had to put most of them off and kept on a core of 50 staff. And he wanted to be able to save them and give them money, but he didn't know how he was going to do that. So we talked about him producing a book that would make money. And I suggested to him that because he wasn't really well known or famous, perhaps we could come at it a different angle and actually write the stories and the recipes from his staff. And once he branded himself from that, well, his next book, he will be able to sell and make a lot of money. So this book, we um, went out to his staff and the families and uh, got all their favourite recipes and pulled them together. And um, it turned into this magnificent, nearly 500-page book of um, real local flavour. And we sold it on the Chuffed platform and we've raised over $500,000 so far. It's still going. Uh, We also... Um, last year. Uh, There were the Gourmand Awards, which are celebrated in different countries all over the world. Um, Last year was in Sweden. And we were strongly encouraged to go. And unfortunately, I couldn't, my mother wasn't well at the time, but Dean went over. And um, we picked up uh, second place in the best cookbook in the world. So we're pretty excited about that. And then we won the best fundraising cookbook in Asia. So out of our little book and our little idea grew a beautiful, big, heavy, hardcover, full color book, uh, which has won awards and raised a lot of money for five different charities in Singapore, in Bali. In Bali, yeah. I I think that's an an incredible story coming out of the pandemic. You know, I mean, hardship in places like Bali, where people were relying on a tourist trade where people couldn't travel anymore. That's right. Just they had no support No support. And having that impact just to get food on the table, yes. some of those staff, huge impact. But then to have 500000 in gross sales in a book, yes. Yes. then become the best fundraising cookbook in Asia. Yep. Incredible. And second best cookbook in the world. The world. I think there were 1,500 entries in that cookbook category. Uh, it, it, it blows my mind. And I remember I just met you and I actually, I got my parents to buy that cookbook for Christmas. So I've got that on, I've got that cookbook on my um, coffee table as well. Nice. And then also more recently, um, Lucy Lou, you've just launched Lucy Lou's cookbook in Melbourne. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so that's, um, again, the Asian, I love the Asian theme and their Pan-Asian restaurant. 
and they have Sri Lankan and Indian and you know Indonesian and Malaysian flavors going throughout their menu and again that was word of mouth I think once you get some awards people like to come and tap yeah. on your shoulder and ask you if you'll produce a book for them yeah um um also more recently we've, we've been doing um uh, oh you've been doing the project for plates of goodness but it's very close to my heart because the foundation of goodness is a place i volunteered in sri lanka so it's almost replicating that barley idea of fundraising using a cookbook mm-hmm. but the um Foundation of Goodness has many arms to its charity, but one of them is helping rural women through cooking. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that and then the chefs that you've got involved in that cookbook, including local chefs in Noosa. Yes, well, it's been um, an interesting exercise, emulating what we did in Bali. I knew it would work and it was really a matter of finding a good foundation or charity that was transparent and we knew that the money was going to go to the right places um, and so I did sit down with a few different people and the guys from Lucy Lou um, but also locally we've had Peter Curavita from Alba um, at Noosa Springs he was very encouraging supportive and gave us a lot of information and recipes uh, to put into the book um, and at the same time, the foundation went to all of their villages that they support throughout Sri Lanka, so regional uh, villages, and again asked the women their stories and recipes that were traditional or sentimental in some way or meant a lot to their family. So we've got over 50 curries in there now. Oh, wow. um, we've got over 100 recipes. But uh, yeah, so all the local recipes, but also there's a one hat restaurant down on the Mornington Peninsula called Manny Little. Um, the Gayan, the chef from down there has given us some recipes. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got some really high end recipes, um, but also a lot of the real basic recipes. Um, and they're all plant based. So I don't want to say they're vegan because they're more than vegan they're a real lifestyle because you can just visualize these villagers walking home from work or on their motorbike on their way from home from work and selecting what tree am I going to eat tonight (laughs) (laughs) and they literally you know they'll pick the blossom off the top of a banana tree and make a curry out of that or they know what leaves to pick and make a whole curry out of those particular leaves or they'll dig up a, a root and so it's it's not so much even a choice, it's a, a financial decision that they can't afford the protein, so they just, you know, choose on the side of the road what they're going to eat. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. And I think, um, you know, I've always been passionate about supporting women in business. And then when I was doing some volunteering, it was about sort of helping, you know, w- women group and groups. And I, that's why I love how you've done this book it's all about helping support the local women in the villages yes. right at grassroots, but you have a transparent um, charity across the top to make sure the money get, gets to them yes. and also showcases what they do with their produce. I yeah. mean, it's d- definitely produce to platter there, isn't it? Like, as you see. It certainly is. <laughs> and we've had the support. We've had the um, Sri Lankan Airlines have donated two flights, return flights from Australia. Um, 
or it could be Singapore, it could be anywhere really, two return flights and we've had Tara Villas who've donated five nights accommodation um, for anyone who pre-orders the book before June 24. So I think, you know, they've seen that this book is supporting their people. Yeah. And yeah, the support we've had throughout the whole process has been really unreal. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And when is the book actually officially being launched? Officially June 24, we're having a gala dinner in Melbourne and I don't know many details about it yet. It's all very Sri Lankan secretive. (laughs) (laughs) But they're expecting a thousand people for dinner. A thousand people, that's incredible. We're going to have to start marketing it it pretty soon. Yeah, that's really incredible. So um, your business, you're very, um, very successful. You're financially independent, which is amazing. How have you navigated having your own business in a lifestyle location such as Noosa? Probably would have it been possible pre-pandemic or has it more, is it flourishing more now? It's flourishing more now, definitely. I wouldn't have considered pre-pandemic that I could have worked up here as a publisher. Um, I came up here just before the borders shut down to look after mum and dad because they were 90. And in my mind, I was up here probably for a couple of months, one little suitcase, and <laughs> then they started talking on the TV about it being six months, and I just went into this spiral. <laughs> How am I going to survive? God, you know, I can't work, I can't do anything. So, yes, it's about pivoting and being smart about it, but also the world's attitude has changed. Prior to the pandemic, I don't think I could have told people I was seriously working in Noosa while looking at the view and watching the surfers surf. Um, now people accept. They don't care where I am. They're very happy that I'm working on their... Do you think they accept and are envious at the same time? Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been here three years now, so I certainly managed to pivot, continue on with publishing. And, um, and yes, if I need to go to Melbourne or Sydney or wherever, I'll, I'll go down there, but... Um, yeah, most of it's done on Zoom up here. Yeah. So, so if you were um, providing, say, even, you know, your top three tips of if you're choosing a lifestyle location, it could be anywhere you know, in Australia or the world, you've travelled a lot, are there any three essential ingredients to make it work, like proximity to a city or an airport? Or Well, I think proximity to an airport is pretty critical. Yeah. We're, we're an hour and a half from Brisbane Airport, so we can fly anywhere in the world. We're also half an hour from Sunshine Coast Airport and that flies basically anywhere in Australia. So if you need to have meetings, that's critical. I think lifestyle-wise, you know, being close to the ocean is, is for me, very important. Just to know that there's an end to the world and it's not just suburbia everywhere. You know, if you can drive to that beach and just sit and look at the horizon, that's really important for your well-being. Yeah. Um, I think we're very lucky and spoiled up here because we've got local produce that you can buy directly from farms. We've got a fantastic farmer's market, um, but there are farmer's markets all up and down this Sunshine Coast. Um, And we've got really good restaurants and we've got some of the cutest little towns in Australia. You know, you (laughs) go out to, or down to Yandina or up to Pomona or Karoi. You know, they're really still typical Aussie country towns. They're quirky, they're cute. The people are more friendly than you'd ever meet anywhere. Mm. So I think 
you know, you find your neighbourhood, you find your place in life, but I think I've found my place up here. I just love, mm. love that That's Queensland lifestyle. That's definitely home for you. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, and this is a, a thread in a lot of these conversations, is people find home here quickly yes. compared to other places because they can connect to community easily. But it's sometimes not for everyone. And I'm trying to work out, because I love it, it doesn't mean it's right for everyone else. So some people have moved up here and they've decided to go back to a city, you know, for, you know, for whatever reason, I, I understand that. But I think one of the, from my view, one of the essential ingredients, you have to enjoy the outdoors somewhat. So you've just touched on the ocean. Yes. Some people love the bush, the hinterland. Yes. But if you're leveraging the outdoors, I think it's easier if you just decide to stay. Yes. And then you can, then you have to then discover the region, which all you're saying is all these little towns have their own personality. That's right. And my question to you, it's going to be a hard one, Mm -hmm. but do you have a favourite town (laughs) in the hinterland of Noosa and why? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's hard because they're, they're all so quirky and, and I love them all. They've got their own personality, haven't they? Kin Kin and Boring Point and, yes. I guess my major go-to is Karoi. Yeah. Um, funny enough, well, mainly because it's close to mum and dad's place. I know where everything is. There are two IDAs in a little tiny town, um, both bringing local produce into the town but differently um it's got fabulous little clothes shops it's got a brewery you know it, it's um, is there a brewery in Karoi yeah. or Koran there's no in Karoi on the way in on the right that's really interesting everyone talks about the Koran brewery and I didn't know there was one in Karoi yeah. as well yeah, yeah. there's one in Karoi yeah but then it is a beautiful little town because it I is. to be honest hadn't stopped there purposely before but I've got friends who live in Karoi but um I dropped Scout off at the groomers at Mount Tinbua. And I'm like, I'll go and have a coffee in Karoi because it's just, you know, it's just up the road. And I just love just having a coffee outside there. And it has a completely different feel to, say, Pomona or Kin Kin. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally different people. So if you love people watching, you can sit there all day and watch the people. But it's also got a beautiful library and, um, you know, which is a fabulous place to go and work too. It's big and modern and... Um, instead of paying for workspace, you can work in there all day if you want. Mm, uh, that's so, a really good tip. Yeah, it's got it's got some good things going. Yeah. But you know, we've got so many distilleries, gin distilleries here. You know, I think we're all probably alcoholic, but <laughs> <laughs> breweries as well, and they all bring you know beautiful pan fried, oven roasted pizzas, and you know so much different cuisine very interesting as well and we're having new restaurants all the time but we've just opened up the Doonan yes um very which that, that was under construction for a long time but this is really interesting because the Doonan doesn't have a township like Karoi it doesn't have no. a group of shops no. but you kind of feel like this this establishment anchors Doonan at sort of at the centre of it or yes, not even at the centre of it on the Noosa side of Doonan well Doonan was always a floating community um, between Yumundi and Nooseville, really. Um, and this has anchored it. It's always had the fruit and veggie shop there, which is just yeah. beautiful. I love shopping in there. I love going um, to the cafe next door yeah, and then going the to buy some fruit, fruit and veg from there. The little Doonan Cafe. And then um, there's the tomato shop as well. So the 
the tomato farm, you can just drive in there and pick up your beautiful packet of tomatoes. Are they Noosa Red? Noosa Reds. Yeah, Noosa yeah. Reds, yeah. 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 They've been there for a long time. But, yeah. uh, yes, I think the sense of community is really built. Where yeah. they built the Doonan was a cafe, um, probably five years ago, but it didn't last very long. It was very hippie sort of yeah. trippy cafe, but it was gorgeous. Um, yeah. But then this hotel group has taken over and spent probably six million Six million dollars, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you can see it. I think they need to do a stunning, a, a multi-story car park. Though. <laughs> Not quite. That wouldn't be very um. Doing no, it, we but can't do that. No, we no. can't do that. No, but um. Yeah, it has got a massive car park, but it's really popular. It's really popular. I, I was there yesterday because I was out showing people property yesterday, and we yeah. I, we just it was at oh, two o'clock in the afternoon. We just have to go and digest everything we've seen. Yep. So we went to the Dunan. Just no booking because you can go to this area that's just bar food. That's so, right. But their bar food, we had this most incredible pizza yeah. and it was an interesting combination because I'm gluten-free and I need vegan cheese, dairy-free. And the person I was sharing the pizza with was vegetarian. So you're like, well, we're limiting. Very limiting, yes. Yeah. And we had the most amazing mushroom pizza yeah. that I've ever tasted and the vegan cheese was incredible yeah. and we had the um, put some chilli on there and like oh, it just yeah. was, was yeah. in heaven so it was a beautiful place to actually talk real estate yeah <laughs> oh absolutely and you can go in there you know pub hours after 10 in the morning yeah. uh, it's not the place to have breakfast they you know they just have pastries and reasonable coffee um, but you know, from lunch onwards, it's just a fantastic place. It's got the big grassy area where the kids can run around and play soccer out the back, a little playground. And you can literally sit anywhere. Um, they hold 50 seats for um, dining, yeah. especially. But um, it's got the two bars, and so long as it doesn't have a reserved on the table, there are plenty of space for everyone else to just come in and, and have a pizza. Yeah, And I think the... Um, the, the the reserved tables have a different menu to the yes, bar that's menu. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, what, 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 what have you eaten there for a main meal in the reserved area? Uh, I've just had a steak, to be honest. Um, yeah. And was it good? It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was a good steak. Yeah. I yeah. love going out to your Monday pub and having a steak out there. So it's sort of the traditional thing to do when you go to the country pub is to have a good yeah. steak and chips because they are good quality really good quality i'm the same i, I don't cook steak at home usually it's sort no. of i it's something i prefer to eat out i, I just don't I, I much prefer to cook fish and chicken and things like that but um yeah, yeah. That, the steak is good um now we always like to talk a little bit about real estate in these conversations yes um and my question to you is you actually purposely bought sort of on acreage as part of a wellness journey. Yes. Um, but now you're living on the eastern beaches with this beautiful ocean view. Yes. Talk me through um, living on acreage and is there anything that you learnt about living on acreage that you didn't know before you moved there that our listeners would be interested to know? Because I think some people glorify living on acreage because it's amazing, but there's some positives and negatives of acreage yeah. living. Yeah. I think the positive is, you know, the privacy. And we're so lucky here. We've got rainforests. Oh, you know, God. the property up there is just sitting in... It's got its own little like, ecosystem, you know. It's just um, rain and wet and cool. It's five degrees cooler up there than down here. And in it's in Mount Timbiwa, isn't it? No, no, it's in Timbiwa. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. 
So, um, and there's some beautiful properties up there. Um, the house was built probably 30 years ago, but all solid um, brick and just cool. You wouldn't know it was hot outside. Yeah. So that that's important that you've got the right structure. Yeah. And you know, when I went to your property, like the thing I miss a lot about Singapore is being in the... Um, the rainforest because there's rainforest all over Singapore and it might be so humid but on the weekends you'd go for a run around a reserve for 10ks or up Mount Faber and they had the biggest leaps you know that I've ever seen in my entire life you know but going to your property I felt a a bit nostalgic because I felt like I was amongst that rainforest again and you do have like is is it the elephant ear elephant ears yes that we make curries out of (laughs) in the Sri Lankan book Um, have you made any curries out of your Sri Lankan ears yet no no I mean elephant ears sorry no I'm going to meet with a lady um, who's talking at Kenilworth next week uh, they've got a... Kenilworth is a local town, just that's right. people who don't know. Yep. And yeah. it's a, a, having a foodie festival next week and she's into bush tucker. Yeah. So she's giving lectures about bush tucker, which I'm really interested in because I'm also at the moment working on another book, Flavours of Australia. And within that, we celebrate bush tucker and oh. local in, uh, native ingredients. Yeah. So it'll be similar to our Flavours of Hong Kong or Flavours of Melbourne. But it actually is focuses on the whole of Australia. Yeah. So um, yeah. And is it mainly focusing on like native bush tucker, or is it a combination? No, it's a combination. It'll be again high end, the top high end restaurants. Yeah. Hundred restaurants in Australia, but I've asked them to include a native ingredient in their recipe. Ah. Oh, so wonderful. just so that we can talk about them, see how they influence what chefs are cooking and just start getting some flavors so i think we're certainly using a lot more uh, native ingredients in our cooking these days and it makes it really exciting it does make it exciting So, so do you think acreage living is for everyone no i don't think so i think for me it was hard because i was you know at the end of my cancer journey um i was pretty tired and renovating was hard we also have hundreds of palm trees up on that property, so picking up palm leaves every day was a <laughs> bit of a nightmare. Um, also living on my own, it was hard work just keeping the lawns mowed, the pool clean, the tennis court blown. Did you have help? I had help, but it's just, you know, you end up working for the property rather than for your life. Mm. So mm. for me, blowing a tennis court every week when I'm not playing on the tennis court, sort of becomes a bit of a... It, it's not a fun job. Yeah. <laughs> so but it depends. We still need to have an event on that tennis court, I yes. think. Um, a Sunday, like, and we all wear <laughs> white clothes and drink pims or something. But um, I, I understand what you mean because I, um, I live in a townhouse, yes. so we have someone look after our common areas, which is really small. I love being outdoors i love being in gardens but someone else's garden yes. i love being in the um the national park i prefer to be walking two hours in the national park than doing gardening at home like yeah. i yeah. seem to not keep things alive for very long <laughs> <laughs> so i know for me it wouldn't be right for me um yeah. but it, it, it is interesting but then talk talk us about sunrise beach we have, have actually spoken to um ali lord who lives around the corner from here last april 
on the podcast series and she spoke a lot about taking her dog down to the dog beach. We're sitting here looking at the waves coming today and it's absolutely magic because some of them are massive today. Yes, but yes. we're also, we don't have much wind. So normally when the waves are this big, it's very, very windy. And I'm, it must be just the way it's blowing today. Well, it's but... interesting. There, there's no one out there surfing. I don't know why. There must be better surf a little bit further up the They're, they're the all coast. at Noosa Main Beach today. Are they? So I couldn't go for a swim this morning because around the National Park, but only because there's too many surfers. Right. But the sweep would have been way too strong for me to swim anyway. And it, right. They are um, – I was speaking to one surfer and he's he's still got jelly legs because he, ca- he caught a wave from the beginning of the National Park all the way to oh. the far point of Little Cove. And wow. he, he said he, – oh, I can't remember what he said, but I've never heard of it. It's like a leg ache or something because, you know, it's just such a long wave to ride, you know. Up and down, up and down. Oh, yeah. my God. I thought, that, no, that's just magic. So that's where they're all, they're all there today. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So – Let's talk about if you were moving to Noosa area and you were weighing up whether you want to be coastal or hinterland, what are things that you would think through? Well, I think age is pretty critical. You know, mum and dad bought my place from me when they must have been 78, um, 75, which at the time you think you're fine, but now dad's 94 and, and... Although it's fabulous and he still lives there and, you know, has all the help in the world that he needs. It's all on one level so he can walk. Um, It probably, you know, you really need to start looking at your options and and thinking about how much work you want to do on the side. Yeah. So, again, harping back to mowing the lawns and doing all that stuff. You know, we're really lucky. We've got a guy that comes and mows all the lawns. We've got a horticulturist that comes in and she knows all the bush tucker from real tucker and she's got tomatoes and basil and god knows what she hasn't got growing up there that's brilliant Um, and it is brilliant and i love going up there and spending time in the garden so did you purposely get someone to look after the garden who wanted to grow things yes oh yes and do you just then pick some produce there and bring it back to sunrise beach absolutely and so she's got the good to know is i'm clocking that right (laughs) so much basil Uh. um but no that's that's fantastic but then when I moved up here to look after mum and dad I knew long term I couldn't live in the same house as them it was just going to be too hard Um, so I thought I would do the opposite and come down and find somewhere with a beach view um, close to the beach I've got a little dog so I like Jet we love Jet Jet the little chihuahua with a lot of attitude and he loves going to the beach so if I accidentally leave the front door open he just goes to the beach off he takes himself <laughs> he, he won't look back so does he, he go to the dog beach or no he goes straight down to that the human beach, beach. <laughs> to the human beach and there are lifesavers down there <laughs> he's not allowed there he doesn't know if he, he doesn't know he, he'll get a fine of 260 no dollars <laughs> that's, right. that's right but no he, he just loves it yeah. and often we will head down and go into that entrance and just turn right and if you go up over the sand hills no one worries about you so, you know, we're, the dog beach is only 50 metres away, so it's not... When you mention those sand, sand dunes, we're nearly up for time, but I've got to tell you a really funny story. The yeah, very first day I arrived in Sunrise Beach, so I signed a lease in Sunrise Beach. So I was coming up from a bit further down south, and I knew that the beach was, you know, it was just opposite. You know, I could see it from the ocean from my bedroom. 
So I took Scout down the beach and I didn't realise, you know, in Melbourne, you're allowed to take your dog to the beach, but sometimes it's restricted to hours during the holiday yes. season. Whereas here, different parts of the beach are reserved for dogs, yes. which I didn't know was exclusively a human beach. You know, so I'm taking Scout for a walk and this older gentleman said to me, run to the sand dunes. I'm like, what? Why? He goes, oh, the um, inspectors are coming because you don't want to have dogs here. So this older man like i'm talking probably in his 70s 80s ran up to the sand dunes left his dog behind and i started following him and i thought what the hell am i doing i'm not running to the sand dunes away <laughs> with from a stranger <laughs> with a stranger without my dog to avoid the what do you call them the patrol people you know yes, that, the ranger the ranger the ranger yes. so anyway anyway i just started doing that diagonally going up and i thought no i'm just going to walk straight and see what happens and they called me over in their jeep right and they said do you know no dogs are allowed? And I said, actually, it's my first day. And they said, oh, can you show us your lease? Because, you know, everything's on your phone. I said, yes, I can. And they said, what street are you in? I'm like, I've forgotten. (laughs) I literally (laughs) survived. I said, I know it starts with O, Oriella, Ori, you know, like Oriella. I've been so busy anyway. Anyway, they didn't find me, but they've registered me to say if I'm found again, they'll um, You're in trouble. Yeah. But anyway, the guy, the older guys up in the hills, their dog was down, but because they've got all got chips on, but oh. they, they know where he lives. So anyway, he's going to get his fine, and hopefully his dog found him again. <laughs> Running for the hills doesn't always work. No. And then someone told me what they normally do is they have someone up on the road because it's not uncommon for people to run to the hills away from the rangers. And I'm like, really? this is too funny. It's like out of a comedy show. But anyway, so I learned to turn right. Yes, you and, turn um, right. Yeah, and actually, I didn't even go down those steps. I used to go to down Orient and under the pathway, you know, yes, under David yes. Lowe Way. And that was a beautiful walk. And I've met so many lovely people down there. Yes, so. and if you go that way and turn right, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go all the way down to Bridgin, no problems. That's right. Anyway, do you know, we've had a lovely conversation yes, today. Something I've been dying to do for such a long time. Yes. No, thank you for coming around and, and having a nice cup of tea with me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I hope it does inspire other women who have their own businesses, who are financially independent, that they can navigate different changes and take their business with them and be really successful too. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks.